So I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, cl- the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Good morning. It's lovely to see you. Uh, We're trying something new every week just to keep us on our toes. If uh, families, uh, it gets too much. I am too much for your children, not for you. Tough. Um, But if I'm too much for your kids, we've got a cry room or a comfort room, whatever you want to call it. We've got one of those rooms. Uh, Room 20, past the sound desk on the left. Please make use of that if you want to. Um, It's just a small version of what you see on the screen. Audio is in there. If that's of any help to you, uh, please do make use of it. Um, I'd love for you to have Ephesians on your lap, please. Um, And I want to talk to you about power. Power, three pictures on the screen of power that we have seen and felt the implications of in the past week. We've seen uh, six clubs, boo hiss, um, one of them are mine, six clubs, boo hiss, they were trying to do the dirty on the Premier League and to go ahead and make a Super League. They're trying to exert power so the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We've seen, as uh, Anna prayed about uh, in America, uh, justice has been done to some degree, Devic. Uh, Chauvin, uh, who abused power as a policeman a year ago in the tragic death of George Floyd. And we've seen uh, Mr. Johnson, Boris Johnson, our prime minister, uh, accused of abuse of power, of doing a favour with a tax deal for James uh, Dyson. Uh, Power is at the centre of our lives. You know, boys and girls, which uh, friend in your classroom has more power, so you don't want to get on the wrong side of them. They're the popular ones. They're the ones with all the friends, and you will need to be on the right side of them. You also know adults when it gets to the water cooler, um, whether you're working in person or remotely, there are certain people in the office who have a lot of authority and a lot of power. And so sometimes they use that power for ill, Hopefully, they use it in your context for good. Now, power, says the dictionary, is the ability to act and the ability to do something. When you say something, it gets done. You have some caps, perhaps, with a a slogan on that. But you try and say through your actions and through your deeds, look at who I am. Look at my name. Look at the authority that I have. Look what I can do. Look at verse 19 of Ephesians 1. Paul has just explained the gospel, verses 3 to verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse 19, he then is halfway through a prayer that began in verse 15. And he focuses in on the power, not of an abusive person, 
power that's not uh, in any way questioned or questionable. But in his prayer, verse 19, he prays that God, to God, that who has incomparably great power. When you're comparing power, you often do something like this. You say, um, a hurricane. A hurricane has a thousandth of a power of an atomic bomb. Or you say, uh, an atomic bomb, that has a millionth of the power of the sun. That kind of thing. You're looking to compare and to contrast. They have less power, they have more power, and so on. When it comes to the power of God, Paul says, you can't compare it. You can't compare it. It's not on a scale that uh, God just is at the top of. The Psalms say all power belongs to God. And that's what Paul is saying. In the original language, it says the megaton dynamite. Megaton, that sounds like an AC Comics or DC Comics word um, or Marvel word. But it's the megaton dynamite power of God. That's literally what it says. And so Paul is saying, the power of God is incomparable. It's dynamite. It's, it's, me it's mega. It's vast. It's great. It's huge. And what's Paul doing? Verse 18. As he prays for the church in Ephesus in this circular letter that's sent around a group of churches in uh, Asia Minor, he's saying, I pray also, verse 18, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope the riches and his incomparably great power. You might know power. You might know a bit about it. But Paul is saying, by the spirit of God, I want you to really understand it and internalize it in an intimate, real, manifest way. Don't just know about it. I want you to know what God is, has done and, and the power that dwells in your heart by his spirit. It's flowing through you. Verse 19, because this power is not remote, it's not something that's turned on and off like a, a circuit breaker. Verse 19, here's God's incomparably great power for us who believe. God's power has a direction, it has a purpose, has a, a loci, a locus, and it's in every believer, and therefore it's in the church of God. So here's three things. This passage is about power, not abuse. Not about neglect. It's about resurrection power. It's about headship power. Explain what that means. And it's about spiritual power. Resurrection, headship, spiritual power. His resurrection power, point number one. Paul says, I want to tell you about the incomparably great power of God. And look the worked example that he uses, boys and girls, to explain that. Here's an example, says Paul. He says, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, that's the power that it lives in your veins. Think, boys and girls, Paul could have done this. Paul, who wrote this letter, he could have shown you a picture like this, but a picture in words. He could say, God has such great power, he puts planets into space. He could have said that, boys and girls. He could have said adults, or the same word of authority and power that threw stars into space and keeps them there. That's power. But look at where Paul goes to to explain the power of God. He says there's no greater power than this. The greatest power that everything is such a small thing in comparison to is the power of death. 
Here's the battle that everyone faces and that everyone loses. No one can defeat the power of death. You can harness the sunshine. You can harness creation, the power of creation that God has made. You can harness the wind through a great big wind turbine. You can harness the power of the waves like a hydroelectric scheme. You can harness the power in creation, but no one and nothing can defeat the power that death has. And so you compare the power of the sea. Sea has some power, but it has some power because it has the power of death, you could argue. Sunshine, if you stand out in it for too long, you get skin cancer. And sunshine has power because it has the power of death over you. But notice what Paul says. This is where the power of God is most clearly seen. Verse 18, I want you to understand it. Verse 19, this is incomparable. Verse 20, this is where you can see it. God's incomparably great power is seen and shown and demonstrated and that Jesus Christ died and that God's power was exerted. The strength of his right arm was exerted and shown when he raised his son from the grave. So death has been defeated. That's what Peter says, Acts chapter 2. It's on the screen. Peter says this, God raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible. It's as if uh, death had cords, like the cords around Aslan's body, and yet the power of Aslan, which is a picture of the power of God, seen in the resurrection of Jesus, just popped every cord. And so there's a song. Not very catchy. Wouldn't be the number one, perhaps. But here's the song. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? Because the power of God is seen in the resurrection of Jesus, that death has been defeated. And then Paul says, if you understand that, that you don't need to be afraid of the grave anymore. The power of God seen in the resurrection of Jesus, verse 19, all that power, verse 19 says, is towards us. It's towards us. It's directed not in some obscure direction. God has demonstrated his power. And now that power is like the blood in your veins if you trust in Jesus Christ. It's for every Christian. The same power that God exerted 2,000 years ago, he demonstrates every time a boy or girl, a man or woman, is brought from death to life, from darkness to light, from despair into hope in Jesus. That's where our life comes from. But it doesn't feel like that. So the decay in our world one day will give way to resurrection power the disappointments and the brokenness in our lives, one day will be overworked completely by the resurrection power of King Jesus. Our destructive emotions and our habits and our addictions, our deepest, darkest sins that the Holy Spirit is working on for every Christian, one day will be a distant, forgotten memory as we trust in Jesus and see him in all his glory in heaven. But it doesn't feel like that. But Paul is so convinced that the power of God that was shown in the resurrection of Jesus that courses through every Christian's veins, he's so certain of the future. He says this to the church, not in Ephesus, but to the church at Philippi. He says, I am sure, says Paul, that he who began a good work in you 
will bring it through to completion. You can, you can bet your house on it. You can put the bank on it. You can put your hopes and dreams on it. Trust in God that the good work he's begun, he will bring through to completion because it's on him, not on us. But I've made such a mess of my week. I have got so many regrets in my life. Paul and Peter and Jesus' resurrection power shows and proves that the good work Jesus has begun, he will bring through to completion. And Paul knows the reality of that. And he says, verse 18, I want nothing more than you to know, verses 3 to 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, which is the gospel and the resurrection power of God that goes through your veins. The resurrection power of God. But that's not all. Here's the second thing. It's headship power. Now, what on earth does that mean? Headship power. Look at sentence 22 with me. Sentence 22. And God placed all things under his feet and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There is the power of God at work for us and in us, says Paul, for us and in us. So there's a the overarching power of God so that everything is working for the good of those who love him. But it's not distant. It's intimate as well. It's for us, but also in us. It's the important teaching of the Apostle Paul that the church is the bride of Christ and the church is the body of Christ. So the church is in Christ by faith. We are part of the body of the church with our head who is Jesus Christ so two kinds of power one is uh, external overall internal organic and intimate one's external one's internal one's overarching one's inside let's look at them both external external power it's in verse 22 kind of drink this in because this is a great truth God placed all things under Jesus's feet and appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything for the church. So this is nothing less than or more than Romans 8 verse 28 that says, all things work together for good for those who love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Everything in the world whether it feels like it or not, and that's important to say, works out for the good of those who trust in Jesus Christ. And they are working God's good purpose for every believer. That's hard to believe, but it's important to say because it's true. That means Christianity is different from every other religion in the world. The Western religions say there is such a thing as personal power and choices. All you are are the choices that you make. You are your own destiny. You've got this. You have the power of your own destiny. So if you make good choices, you have a good outcome, a good destiny, a good future. You make bad choices, your outcome will be less than good. It will be bad and it will be poor. And it's on your choices, it's all on you. That's Western religions. Eastern religions say, 
No, no, it's not based on you, but there's such a thing as fate. Fate. Everything is out of your control. We live under a higher power and authority. It's very impersonal. So the West is personal. You're in control. The East is uh, impersonal. You're out of control. And it's blind fate. Christianity has none of those two things. Everything is under the sovereign good control of our good and loving Father. Ephesians 1 verse 10 and 11 says, there is a plan. Everything is in the plan, but Christ is the point of the plan. Paul's already said that at the beginning of this great letter. And God works out everything according to the purpose of his good pleasure and our joy and our hope and our future. And he even uses our bad choices because he's such a great and kind God. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Jacob. Jacob makes some bad choices in his life and he decides to uh, go against his father, Isaac, if you remember. And he receives the consequences for his poor choices. He uh, cheated his older brother. But even through his bad choices that have great detrimental forces on his family that rips it apart, even through his choices, God is still working. So that even through his sinful choices, he finds his future wife, who's Rachel. And through Rachel comes Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God is so powerful and so great that even through our poor choices, he still works for our great good. God is not impersonal. He's not a distant force. He's not wound up a clock and set it working. He's infinitely wise and he's joyful and incomparably powerful. And all his purposes work out for our good in Jesus Christ, for our joy, for our benefit, for our future. Christianity is completely unlike any Eastern or Western religion. But all things work together for good. But that does not rid us of our responsibility. And it does not rid us of our security in Jesus. But man, what hope that even through our bad choices, God is not caught off guard and he still works for our good. So let me ask you a question. Do you know something of the power of God in your life? This, this external headship where God is your head. It's a picture of authority and rule and reign. But there's also internal, the internal power of God. That's a for us and now it's in us. It's external, now it's internal. There's another type of headship and boys and girls i want your attention now if i lost it which i'm sure i didn't we are his body now this is pretty this is a bit strange the church boys and girls men and women that trust jesus we are the body of jesus jesus is our head now just imagine you had a head that was not sewn on hopefully no nightmares here there was that was not sewn onto the body or there was a body that was not sewn on to the head, the body can only work and do what the head tells it to do. And if they were separated, it wouldn't work very well at all. So this is not just a picture, Christ is the head, we are the body. It's not just a picture of uh, authority. It's a picture of intimacy and closeness and working together. It's this wonderful picture that God has brought together, men and women, boys and girls, to make a new person and we're put together with living tissue i had an injection in my arm this week 
I chose not to look. And the good news is I did not faint. Felt a bit grotty for a day or so afterwards, but it was for my good. Here's the wonderful picture that we see in this passage. That is that we are the head. Excuse me, Jesus is the head. We are the body. We are intimately linked together. His uh, spirit is in our hearts so that we are made more and more like his son. But as Jesus works by his spirit, it's not just like a body. It's not just organic. It's not just the mind of God coming into the heart of every Christian. It's also a bit like a house. It's a picture of a dream home for someone. And let me take you from a body to a building site. What does this word mean in verse 22 and into 23? The fullness of God is in and for the church. Did you notice in verse 22, for the first time in the book of Ephesians, we meet the word church. It says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Now, this is a picture that I got off the internet of a dream home for someone. It's, a, it's on a building site. You can't see much of the building site. But imagine this is the first home. This is the show home that is built on this muddy, clayey plot. There are JCBs and there are diggers. There's bricks and there's lots of workers, men and women, that are digging and setting out and doing all their jobs. There's scaffolding from the muddy ground up into the sky. But one house, amidst all the chaos, one house has been finished and it looks perfect. On the inside, there are plates that have been set out on three other ones. Everything is coordinated so it looks great and glorious. There's a fake turf on the front, but it's a picture of perfection in the midst of absolute chaos. Paul is saying, we are linked to Jesus Christ. He is the head, we are the body. But another way of understanding it is, Whilst we wait his return, Jesus' spirit in our hearts is transforming us a little bit like the show home is a picture of our future home in heaven. It says here, we, for God's glory, the fullness of himself fills the church. So it's as if a show home is being built with all our weaknesses, with all our struggles and with all our decay. Here's a tweet that I read last night. Because the church is a body, it's like a show home, but it's also a mess. Listen to this from a friend in Wales, talking about the church. She's complicated. She's emotional. She's messy. She's unpredictable. She acts crazy sometimes. She fails regularly. And she has some serious baggage. But Jesus is besotted with her. And we should be too. Friends, let's not give up on the church. Jesus hasn't, and Jesus won't. Here's a picture in verse 22 and 23 of God saying, I've shown the strength of my might by raising my son from death to life. By his spirit is in the heart of every believer. And it's in my set purpose and plan that I'm going to choose for my glory, although sometimes they will be uh, exhibiting a very poor picture of my greatness as they interact one with another, as they argue, as they divide, 
as they have differences of opinion and there's lots of heat and not much light. But through the church, the fullness of my goodness and might and majesty and glory will be made known. And that the angels in heaven, the spiritual realm and reality will marvel at my plans and purposes of choosing a people for myself. The power of God is seen externally. All things work together for good, but it's seen internally as well as our struggles and our frustrations and our sins and our addictions and our brokenness is dealt with by the spirit of God one day at a time. Because the church, verse 22 and into 23, is the body of Jesus, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As we are linked to him intimately by the spirit of God, we receive life from him. As we receive life from him, we can share the life of Jesus in the gospel with other people as well, because it's power from the resurrection. It's power from headship, external and internal. And finally, and really quickly, it's spiritual power too. It's spiritual power too. Some churches say, if you come along to our course, then you will know the spiritual power of God. Some churches say if you come along and uh, you do certain things, then you will know the spiritual power of God. Notice at what point Paul starts to pray for the church in Ephesus. Look at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Paul says, before the Spirit of God enters into your life and before you had faith in Christ, you were no one. You didn't have the organic relationship with King Jesus. You knew nothing of the Spirit of God dwelling in the heart of man. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone that knows reality, not of rules or regulations, not someone who goes to a certain place or does a certain thing. A Christian is someone who's linked by the power of God to the Son of God. And the Spirit of God makes that truth real to him. Paul says it's faith in Jesus and only faith in Jesus that makes someone a Christian. A Christian is someone who says in a very simple way, Jesus is not just my Lord, he's my all in all. He's not just my Savior, he's my all in all. The reason I belong to God is because of what Jesus has done for me and absolutely nothing else. No room for pride, no room for boasting, no room for self-confidence, nothing of self-righteousness. And if you don't yet know Jesus this morning, by the power of his spirit, through his word, he's available even today. And because Christianity is not based on me or on you, if you're a Christian, not one of the promises that God makes to us in his son will ever fall to the ground. So let me ask you a question to finish up. Do you know something of the incomparably great power of God in your life? Is Jesus your head? Is he just a historical figure or is he your head? If he's your head, he rules your heart. That means you want to walk like Jesus, boys and girls and adults too. It means you want to be made more like him every day. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So take the truth of God 
and to make it fresh and real to you every day. It's about power, power of the resurrection, headship power, and that means spiritual power. That's what it means to be a Christian.